thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man Scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man Scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden Bobcat Pale Ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Alright, welcome back, Bobcat fan. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. We are your Ryans. My name is Ryan Foley. My buddy across the state from me is Ryan Thornburg. We are a part of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and we are lucky to be sponsored by our good friends at Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing great beer right there in my hometown of Great Falls, Montana, and they have a second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It is finally, it's finally game week. We are so stoked to bring you this episode, two episodes this week. Man, we'll, we'll get right into that here in a moment. But Thorny, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. Just hearing you talk about that. I'm doing a little little jig over here. I'm dancing. And I'm just excited. I, I feel the energy. I got the vim. The vim has taken hold of me. I got the vim. We're going to win. Here to Go win. Montana <laughs> State. Woo! Let's do this episode. All righty. <laughs> Well, we have a special episode for you. This was supposed to be part of our one episode we put out a week, but uh, we had a a really fun talk last week with Cody Tucker of 7220 Sports out of Wyoming, Laramie, Wyoming. He is a beat writer. He is all about uh, Poke Nation. I almost called him Bobcat Nation. He is not about Bobcat Nation. He is about the Wyoming Cowboys. He is, when you listen to him, his enthusiasm just jumps off. He's a fun guy to talk to, and he has a lot to say. Yeah, he reminds me of like uh, basically us if we took this to the next level and like quit our jobs and made this a full time endeavor. Like he's just a, obviously a huge poke fan, and and he turned it into the profession, the website, kind of kind of like Skyline almost in a little way. So, kudos to Cody for everything he's done over there, and uh, much appreciation for him coming on here and talking some uh, matchups and previews for us. Yeah, well, before we play the audio. Um, I want to say that this is going to be the first of like two episodes this week. Like Ryan said, this will be the first one since it was such a good long conversation. We have so many golden coolie questions and then the depth chart being released. We're going to do a depth chart, golden coolie mini our preview for Wyoming. Where what our thoughts on it? And this episode is just going to be our conversation with Cody Tucker of 720, 7220sports.com. So let's get right into the interview with Cody Tucker right now. 
All right, Cat fans. Well, now we have Cody Tucker of 7220sports.com. He has a podcast called the Roaring Re- uh, Roaring Repeater Podcast. There it is. Uh, thanks for coming on, Cody, to talk a little bit about the uh, Wyoming game against the Bobcats here coming up pretty shortly. Hey, anytime, fellas. Really uh, happy to be here and uh, really happy that football season's 10 whole days away. Definitely ready for the Bobcats to get down here. You don't even know. We Ooh. haven't played football since Come 2019. On. We were one of the few. That's t- true. We didn't play any football in 19 <laughs> or 20. Man, we're or uh, 20, sorry, 20 or 21. So it's, it's just been brutal. Yeah, no, I can't months. even imagine. Can't even imagine what you guys are going through. I'm so thankful that the Cowboys were able to even salvage a six game season last year. Yeah, definitely, definitely meant a lot. And not only because of what I do, but you know, uh, living. I don't want to live in a world where there's no Wyoming football for yeah. Well, we're big football guys, and we had to resort to uh to doing a bunch of basketball episodes to try and make our sponsor happy. So <laughs> we promise him an X number of episodes. That's how we roll. So it was like, well, basketball podcast it is. Here we go. <laughs> but it was fun. Whatever works. It was fun, though. So, well, you mentioned the the piecing together the 2020 season there. That's the first thing I want to ask you about. Uh, the, the, the Cowboys finished two and four, and I understand that they had some players out, opt out, some players injured. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what maybe went wrong for that uh, short 2020 season for the, the Pokes? Oh, boy. Um, that's a loaded question, Ryan. All, all kinds of stuff. Uh, the opt-outs certainly didn't help. Uh, the Cowboys lost a ton. But most of the opt-outs came on the defensive side of the ball. They lost uh, their leading sack getter in Solomon Bird. He decided to opt out. So did his backup, Devon Wells-Ross. The Cowboys were also without their starting safety. Uh, lost a couple of interior guys and lost uh, their one offensive player was their running back, Titus Swin. Um, so obviously not good, not to mention the the starting and the stopping. And, you know, like you said, uh, you, you guys didn't even get to play at all. But uh, with Wyoming, it was you're not going to play. Then all of a sudden it was. And, and all the guys were home already. So they had to send bring them all back to Laramie, quarantine them for 10 days, go through all that stuff. And then, you know, the entire freshman class, the entire true freshman class that came into Laramie for their first time, they were all under quarantine. They spent 30 days in their dorm rooms. Uh, just, it, it was just one thing after another. And then, you know, to make matters worse, starting quarterback Sean Chambers breaks his leg on the third play from scrimmage in Reno. And, and of course, that was his third straight season ending leg injury. And it was just devastating for the guys. Uh, Team really looks up to him, and they really respect him as a leader. And uh, you could tell the sideline that day in Reno was pretty sad. And uh, you know, it was just it just was a, a everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, a couple of guys were kicked off the team, and then you know, to make matters worse, the offense was just there's really no other way to put it, guys. It was it was bad. It was really bad. It, it, balance was not happening. Uh, the Cowboys, of course, were have been great at running the football. We're great at running the football last year, but you know, you get into a third and seven situation, forget about it. Uh, the passing offense just wasn't there. It was so one-sided um, defensive coordinators had to be licking their chops to play the Cowboys. So, you know, and another brutal thing that happened is Wyoming was supposed to play our force. Then they were supposed to play Utah state. Those were two home games back to back. Both of them canceled because of the other team couldn't play. So, you know, it was start, stop, start, stop, a lot of practicing with no games, no, you know, no gold at the end of the rainbow for sure. So it was just one thing after another, you know, losing to Colorado State, obviously Wyoming's biggest rival. That hasn't happened in five years. That was brutal. And then to lose to a New Mexico team who I believe had lost 17 straight. Uh, they played that game in Las Vegas at Sam Boyd Stadium. <laughs> just 
just awkward. The whole thing was awkward, but, but like we were kind of talking about earlier, fellas, you know, I'm so thankful for these kids and these coaches that they went and got their brains jabbed, you know, three times a week and didn't go out and do normal college kid things so that we could patch together some kind of a season. Um, so thankful that it was six games because, you know, it could have been worse as you guys know full well, but you know, in a nutshell, everything went wrong. Uh, it's easier to pull the positives out of last season, which is a lot of young guys got playing time and a lot of a lot of guys who maybe wouldn't have seen the field maybe ever are now kind of seasoned veterans, uh, which has really added to the depth for Craig Bull's team. So, you know, it's it's a long answer, but it's <laughs> there's just so much, so much that went wrong. A couple of things that parse from that. Uh, did I read correctly that uh, Wyoming only threw one touchdown pass the entire season? Yeah, you did read that right, and that was in the opener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so if that doesn't tell you how the passing woes were going, uh, I don't know what will. I feel like I'm talking to Chambers? a Bobcat fan right now, is, is what I no. feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was actually Levi Williams who came in to spell Chambers after he was injured on the third play of the game. It was Yeah, that was the one touchdown pass of the year. Yeah. Well, you want to hear a funny stat before we go too much further. Uh, the Bobcats have beaten the Grizz four games in a row. Now, um, they haven't thrown a single touchdown pass in that span. Well, when you got that Anderson kid, who the hell needs to? Well, I think the average is about 360 yards rushing in each of those games. So, who needs well, to throw the ball? Brent, you're going to love Brent Vegan. I know. It, it's actually uh, surprisingly – that's what I said. It sounds like we're talking to a Bobcat fan here. Like, third and seven. Oh, man, oh, man so we're hard. screwed. Throwing the ball. Always been – it's been a challenge for a few years now. So, uh, it's, it'd be interesting uh, to see if what happens there with Vigan, and that's that actually actually takes me right into the to the next question here. Um, the biggest story, obviously, in this particular game is the Bobcats hiring Brent Vigan away from uh, Wyoming. There's been a, first of all, there's been a debate about, amongst Bobcat fans who holds the advantage now because Vigan obviously knows Wyoming, but Wyoming knows Vigan. Um, I was kind of curious what you thought about that. Um, who do you think has the advantage, or is that just kind of a wash, or maybe it's just nothing at all? So you're right on with that. I mean, obviously, that's crossed all of our minds, too, right? You know, who who does have the advantage? And and I'm actually going to ask Greg Bull that question. He's probably going to look at me like I'm insane. But, you know, it, it, it it's worth asking. It's it's something that's definitely crossed my mind. It's crossed a lot of Cowboys fans' mind. And, of course, Cowboys fans are joking that, you know, Vegan's going to run the ball 60 times in Laramie on the, during the opener. But, you know, I don't know if – I think it is a wash to a degree, but I think that's when you're just going to let your guys take over and who has the best athletes and who has the most depth. I mean, it, they're not going to fool each other. I'm uh, I'm pretty certain on that. And even the Cowboys' new offensive coordinator who's replacing Vegan used to work with Berin in at North Dakota State. So um, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody's going to be fooled by anything. Man, you are just like hitting on every one of my questions here that are perfe- <laughs> perfectly segueing into it. I, my very next question says, interestingly enough, Tim Polisek <laughs> was, uh, you know, hired by Wyoming to replace Vegan. So what kind of offense do you think that Polisek's going to run? Is it going to be similar to Vegan? Is it going to be uh, something a little bit different? Well, that's been super top secret around here, and we've been trying to get it out, everybody. We we keep hearing the word energy. Um, there's definitely a new renewed energy with this team. And, you know, and I'm not trying to dump on Burnt Vegan. He, he's one of Craig Bull's best friends. They did a lot of amazing things together. Obviously, they have, you know, two top NFL draft picks at the quarterback position together. Um, but, you know, it's it, it maybe needed new blood uh, for everybody, even, even Brent probably. So, um, Tim has brought in definite energy. He was the offensive line coach the last four years at the University of Iowa under Kirk Ferentz, obviously, who's like the longest tenured you know, college coach in the world. Um, so 
you know, he, he knows what Craig Bull expects. He, he was a young coach under him in, in Fargo, of course. And, and he's just, the, the thing that's different with him is just like the players keep saying, his energy is unbelievable. He's really smart. He, he, he really gets into these guys' minds. He's making them read a book. I wish I could remember the, the name of it right offhand, but it's some kind of warfare book or some sure. leadership book. So, um, you know, he's just, he's just, yeah, yeah. I think that's it actually. Classic (laughs) Um, classic one, but, but he's just a, he's just a fun guy and he's just, he he does bring that, he brings that extra spunk to not only the offense. I hear that he goes around and trash talks the defense too, and gets them fired up to, you know, try and put it on his offense in practice. So they, they've said, you know, Craig Bull likes to joke that he's not going to turn into Mike Leach anytime soon. And I, definitely believe him uh but i think they're gonna run the ball they've got a ton they they're they're almost three deep at every position on the offensive line uh obviously two quarterbacks coming back that can both run the ball and they have a whole stable of running backs including Xavier Valdez, who's led the mountain west in rushing the last two years they're not going to go away from that but this cowboys team you can't help but think how much better they could have been the last couple of years if they just found that passing game a consistent we're not talking 40 completions a game not even 40 attempts but just a competent passing attack that can get you first downs and can keep you on the field and and will scare somebody and get some guys out of the box um so i i expect that to happen this is so funny it's like you're talking to a mirror an fbs alternate dimension of a bobcat fan right here. It's exact same complaints, exact same like we could only we can make it past the the semifinals if we could throw the ball for 200 yards in in one game. Yeah. Yeah, it would be helpful. It sure would. Well, it's kind of funny uh you talking about being tight-lipped over there too cuz that's kind of how it is um, over here the scrimmage the Bobcats held their first fall scrimmage on Saturday completely closed off, no boosters, no media, no nothing. They're keeping that mm-hmm. real uh tight lip too because uh brent vegan brought in uh, offensive coordinator taylor house right and no one's entirely sure uh what the offense is going to look like but the bobcat strength traditionally has been running the ball brent vegan's mo has been running the ball so i imagine the bobcats will be running the ball plenty um what do you think uh wyoming's defense are they a solid run stopping defense or how's that how do you think that matchup's gonna work out yeah, you know, I was actually just writing about the Cowboys defense right here in front of me. Uh, they finished 21st in the nation last year. They only allowed 125.3 yards per game. Uh, really stout on defense. And keep in mind that all those opt-outs, you know, mm-hmm. there were some tremendous opt-outs that were missing. I want to say it was like 17 sacks and 200-plus tackles worth of opt-outs that were, you know, sitting at home watching on TV. So the beauty of that for the Cowboys and something they hope to parlay into an even better rush defense this year is the fact that so many of those young guys played last year. There's a guy from Casper, Wyoming, a walk-on named Jordan Bernali. He was a guy where he makes his first tackle. Every sports writer in the booth is scrambling for the roster because we're like, who the hell is that kid? And he's, you know, 20 pounds lighter, obviously, from the press box. Here he is making plays. He's making big plays. A lot of freshmen in there. A lot of guys that really, you know, for as bad of a season as it was, those were the bright spots where you're like, wow, now you know who Jordan Bertinoli is, and he's going to be in the rotation. So, you know, the Cowboys hope it's only going to benefit them what happened last year. So another uh, question about the defense real quick here. Um, I saw, was it yesterday, Charles Hick? Charles Hicks decided yep. to transfer. What was his uh, projected role, and uh, what do you think that's all about? Well, when he left, uh, or when when they broke camp in the spring, he was the number one outside linebacker uh, opposite of Chad Muma, who, of course, is the Cowboys' best defensive player there at the middle linebacker spot. Uh, Charles was really 
a gifted player, really good against the pass, really good against the run. He was a ball hawk. He showed to be a ball hawk early in his career. He had a couple of picks last year, a couple of fumble recoveries. Uh, he was, uh, from the sounds of it, from Craig Bull, which, of course, is tight-lipped as always. It sounds like, uh, you know, Chuck just, you know, Easton Gibbs won the job. And he. it was a tight race in the spring. And, you know, it was a tight race this entire fall camp. And it just sounds like the young freshman who uh, came on late last year, he played one game for Gibbs in a snowstorm against Boise State in the season finale and racked up 13 tackles and didn't look out of place. And, you know, he's one year out of high school. Looked really good. And uh, I think he just won the job. And, you know, I can't say for certain if that's why Hicks decided to leave. Hicks was one of my favorite players to deal with. He was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, I think we were all a little stunned because obviously he won't be able to play now. And, uh, you know, he really enjoyed the family atmosphere on this team. So, you know, it was kind of stunning to all of us to see him go. But, you know, he's also a guy who's kind of paid his dues. And, uh, you know, I assume if you're second on the depth chart, you're probably going to be playing some special teams. And this is just me. This is just my opinion. Maybe maybe he didn't want to go down that road. Maybe he thought that it was his time to play and, you know, doesn't want to play special teams. And, of course, that's me speculating 100%. I don't know that. But, you know, I'm, I'm even racking my own brain saying, why would Charles Hicks not leave? Or why would he leave? Because even if he's not the starter, he's going to see plenty of playing time. As we saw last year with Easton Gibbs, he finished third on the team in tackles. He had more tackles than than Hicks did, and Hicks was the starter. So, uh, you know, interesting interesting turn of events, but the Cowboys have 95% of their roster coming back this year, and uh, depth is not really a concern. I mean, would it be better to have Charles Hicks on this football team? Of course, but, you know, Easton Gibbs, I don't think they're going to skip a beat. Yeah, you never quite know why a guy's going to transfer in the middle of a uh, fall camp. There could be lots of reasons, but, uh, you know, it's kind of just – up to each individual player, and uh, it just happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we've already talked a little bit about the quarterbacks and the running backers. I just want to ask one question. Who's uh, one guy that the Cat fans should look out for maybe in the wide receiver position that we haven't really talked about? Well, you know, it'd be easy to name a few guys, but obviously the Cowboys just had such a struggle throwing the football last year. Um, it was it was painful, to be brutally honest. They had one game against Colorado State where they got down 14 early, so they were kind of forced to throw the ball. And they actually did a fine job. I believe Levi Williams threw for more than 300 yards in that game, but uh, that's not the game the Cowboys want to play. But if you're going to look for somebody on the outside, by all indications from the guys you know in practice and guys you talk to, it's Isaiah Nair, a big six foot five guy. He kind of looks like a mini Ter- Terrell Owens, to be honest with you, uh, minus the mm. stupid attitude. <laughs> he's he, he's, a, he's a big, big guy, big body guy, huge catch radius. The tight, the uh, defensive backs, of course, are all veterans for the Cowboys, and they say that he's one of the best receivers they faced. And these are guys who face, you know, the Mountain West best every week, um, and guys who really did a good job against Missouri a couple of years ago in the opener. So. You know, they all say Isaiah Nair, and then, of course, you got Aiden Everhart, who's the super senior out there who has been probably their most steady guy. So um, I think everybody's really excited for Isaiah Nair and what he can do this year. Right on. I'm going to take a little a little stab at some questions now, Thorny. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Passing the, the baton. <laughs> all right. So, Cody, if a Cat fan travels down to Laramie, what should they expect for the game day at uh, War Memorial Stadium? Man, I, I tell you what, these fans are itching to watch football, <laughs> just like your fans are, I'm sure. Um, last year, Wyoming was one of the only schools that allowed fans 
and they allowed 7,000 fans, which they really missed out on an opportunity to make that 7,220 fans. <laughs> but they allowed 7,000, and uh, but they only played two home games, so didn't get to see a lot of the Cowboys last year. And I think with all these returners and all these expectations, fans are really excited. I actually talked to the season ticket guys the other day. Season tickets are going really well, and uh, they're selling about 150 a day for the Montana State game alone. So. They're expecting a sellout or darn close to, and and you know I just imagine it's going to be a very fast festive atmosphere. Everybody's excited for this game. You know Montana State, obviously, you know being an FCS school, that's not even on anybody's radar. People really respect Montana State. Plus, you know it's a neighboring state, even though Laramie couldn't be further away from Bozeman, Montana. It's it's still there's a lot of ties. There's a lot of people here who went to Montana State and vice versa. So I think people are just really excited to watch football. To be honest with you. And, whether it's Montana State or, you know, Bozeman High School, Wyoming fans are going to be here to watch it. Well, we're going to bring a, a good product. I, I know that Montana State has high expectations. I, I know you talked to Colton Poole, so that's that's something yeah. you already know. But uh, 29,000 fans, is that correct? Is that what the stadium holds? Yep, yep, 29. It, it doesn't sound like much, but it's... Uh... It, yeah, it, it no, gets mighty, big. mighty raucous. <laughs> <laughs> For how many? I mean, how many does only about. How many does? How many do you guys seat? I think it can get uh, to about twenty thousand when you bring in some like uh, additional seating and stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, we we can push. We normally average around seventeen, eighteen. Um, so uh, we're pretty lucky to have that kind of support over here, but uh, definitely have earned it for sure. So. Well, that's cool. Um, I know when I wanted to talk to you, that was like the first thing I was trying to vision. I've never been to Laramie. Uh, our SID, Bill Lamberty, uh, was a, a Wyoming uh, a grad, and he talks highly of it. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I was just wondering what kind of game day, uh, you know, what, what the Bobcats could look forward to. So it's going to sound like it's pretty, pretty raucous. Yeah, it should be packed. The weather's usually still pretty good, although we did get some snow up in Jackson Hole this weekend, I saw. Uh, it's starting to feel a little bit like fall around here, but uh, no, I think the weather will be... Yeah, those, those are those first two games are usually the sunburn games, and then the frostbite games happen after that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but no, it should be a lot of fun. I think people are super excited to tailgate again. Even though 7,000 could get in technically last year, there was no tailgating, of course, and that's just such a big deal in Laramie. You know, we have one four-year university, and everybody in the state loves the Cowboys. It, it just depends on what level of love you have for the Cowboys, but everybody has long form. So I think people are excited about it. You know, Laramie is, you know, its nickname is, you know, it's Wyoming's hometown. So people love going to Laramie. They, they love any excuse to go to Laramie, and Cowboy football is the best excuse to do that. So it's just everybody's excited. And Craig Bull, you know, I think Craig Bull's done a good job of getting people excited because after the year, nobody was more upset than that guy. And he was very open and honest and emotional in his last couple of press conferences. He hated 2020 and everything about it. And he also hated not reaching expectations. He really hated that part. And, you know, paraphrasing a little bit here, he said it's time to kick the damn door down. Enough is enough. And and you've seen that same attitude all throughout fall camp. So he's getting people worked up, too, that, that this is the time. Cowboys haven't been in a Mountain West championship game since 2016. He's, he's going into year eight. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people blamed Brent Vegan for the Cowboys' offensive struggles. Now that excuse is gone, and that excuse will be on the other sideline on opening day. 
So I think people are excited about that too and excited to see what can happen. And they're, to be honest with you, they're also excited to see what the world Brent Vegan's going to do. Is he going to throw the ball 60 times or is he going to run it 60 times? I think, uh, <laughs> I think people are really, really interested to see what Brent's going to pull out of his hat in this one. Well, I think he's going to let Taylor Housewright uh, run the calls as far as we know. So we're interested in that too, for sure. I mean, you were leaning into Craig there for a little bit and that was my second question I wanted to ask you. So, Kind of what is the general feel about Bull and Polk Nation right now? Oh, he's, you know, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, people think he can do no wrong. And, you know, he's a guy that Wyoming's really lucky to have. And and that's not wrong. Um, he is a very successful coach. Obviously won three national titles in Fargo with North Dakota State. Uh, came here and, you know, he's an older coach. And this is a chance where, you know, Wyoming, probably a lot like Montana State, has been a stepping stone for coaches to come and take bigger jobs and Craig Bull is one year away if he's on the sidelines at the beginning of next year he will match the longest tenured head coach in Wyoming football history so um, he wants to be here he wants to build this thing he's built this thing from scratch he totally blew it up and rebuilt it and we knew that would take time but now it's year eight and even he knows it's time for the wins to start coming I mean everything else is coming I believe the Cowboys have 17 players in the NFL right now, which is like fifth most of any, you know, group of five school. Uh, you know, you're, it's harder to find a NFL game where there's not a Wyoming player in it when back in the day you couldn't find a game with the Wyoming player in it. So those things are all going good. Everything's going good within the program. Just the wins, the big wins, you know, they beat Boise State only one time. They've only played in one Mountain West championship. It's really time, and nobody knows that more than Craig Bull. So, this is a big year for him. I mean, I'm not saying it's a big year as far as like, oh, he's going to get fired or he's in jeopardy. He's, he's not. But uh, this is a big year for him because the whispers will start eventually. So you don't think there's any record that would put him in the hot seat? Well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, if things went completely off the rails, um, it wouldn't be good because uh, this team just has way too high expectations. Like I said, 95% of the roster coming back from a year ago, almost every starter's back. Um, they're deep at every position. So, you know, yeah, I guess if it went really off the rails and things didn't go well and Wyoming, say, didn't even get a bowl, um, yeah, I, I think the heat would be turned up for certain. But um, I, I have a good feeling Craig Bull will be on the sideline in, in 2022. Well, that's good. We we we're both big fans of Craig Bull, and so that yeah. that's good to hear. So, um, uh, you know, I was uh, looking at the players on the roster today. I mean, it's it's apparent that you guys have an FBS roster. You have long, big, strong guys. Uh, I was looking at your de- defensive line, and I know that's going to give our offensive line, which is one of our strongest units, a, a major challenge. But uh, I was kind of combing through some players, and I I can't ignore. The running back Xavier Valde. I mean, he is a, he is your workhorse. So I'm, I was just wondering, like, I haven't seen him play. So what makes him so good? You know, he's he's just kind of a slasher, and he's really tough, and he always seems to fall forward, and and um, you know, and he's obviously got a really good, talented, big, cohesive unit in front of him as well. This offensive line has 145 combined starts, uh, you know, in the whole group, and there's starters who are not even going to start this year. So he's definitely had that. But, fellas, you know, you got to think about it from this standpoint, in my opinion. The Cowboys have been nothing but one-dimensional since a guy named Josh Allen was under center. Uh, People know who's getting the ball, but they still can't stop it. (laughs) I mean, there's 
nine guys in the box and they still can't stop Xavier Valade. So he just, he finds an extra gear. He's a really motivated kid. He's a super just beautiful human being. Uh, but man, he runs hard. He's tough and he's not a big guy. He's really not big in stature, but I think something else that maybe helps him is Trey Smith, his backup, who's, uh, whose father is Jimmy Smith, the great wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars all those years. Uh, he's in his like 12th year of college now because he's a grad transfer from Louisville and uh, had to redshirt his first year here after he got injured. And then, of course, had the COVID year. And now he's going into year seven, I believe, of his college career. But he really takes off the load, too. And, and he's a really nice change of pace back. He's a lot bigger. He hits the holes. Um, but he can also turn it up and get outside. You know, um, <clears throat> these guys are just they're just really good backs. They have really good instincts. And we haven't even talked about Titus Wynn, who might be the most you know, gifted one of them all. Um, Titus obviously opted out last year and the year before he was injured and redshirted as well. But uh, just a really talented group of guys. And Xavion Valade leads the way. Like I said, he's led the Mount Western rushing the last two years. He's just a really solid back. And he's battled injuries, but on Saturdays, that guy just seems like he's always ready to go. Yeah, Montana State's going to have their hands full with him. I mean, kind of talked about it a little bit. I mean, my, my follow-up question for that one was, do you guys like platoon the running backs after Xavion? Uh, you talked a couple about some of his backups, but uh, mm-hmm. is that kind of, is it just a two-man show like that you normally see from Wyoming, or are they going to put out a lot of backs back there? Well, there were times in 2019, Ryan, where they kind of first series belonged to Valade, second series belonged to Smith, third series belonged to, to Titus Swin. I, and then they kind of ride the hot hand after that. But I think this year you're probably going to see definitely Valaday as a starter than, than Smith. And then, you know, I want to say, you know, kind of like last year against UNLV, that game got away from the Rebels and the Cowboys really poured it on them. Next thing you know, you're seeing third, fourth, fifth guys. They want to get as many guys in there as humanly possible. If they're beating up on a team they're, or getting beat up on, they're certainly not going to leave Xavier Valaday or even Trey Smith out there. So, It'll be interesting, you know, because that was Brent Vegan's call as well. So uh, we don't know if to, if Tim Polisek's going to do, you know, I know he's a big fan of saying he's going to ride the hot hand, and that even includes the quarterback position. So um, I would assume they're going to ride the hot hand no matter who it is, but it'll be weird. To, it'll be not weird. It'll be interesting to see how they divvy up these carries because there's a ton of talented backs. They have a true freshman that just came in from Lancaster, Texas, named DQ James, and he was on the fastest four by 100 team in America in high school. So the guy's only five foot seven, but he has Olympic speed and they've already talked about finding ways to get him on the field as well. So another thing that's been kind of hinted at is maybe Trey Smith and Xavier Valade on the field at the same time. Uh, Trey Smith kind of has that fullback body as well. So it'd be interesting to see if those two are on the field at the same time. Man. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be so fun to just see football again. But yeah. you just got me just going. So, um, you know, I, I feel like we could talk a lot, but I got, I really only got one more question for you. That's really kind of not about this game, but I was thinking about the future of the Mountain West Conference, and it's my belief that Montana and Montana State will, with all the realignment, the trickle down, I think I made the bold prediction about a week ago or something on our podcast is saying Montana State – Montana will be in the Mountain West someday. So I, I preview this game as maybe a future, you know, a conference game for Montana State. Do you have any thoughts on that? Have you ever thought about that? Um, to be honest with you, you kind of have I kind of haven't because I think when you're in the Mountain West, you're always looking higher, right? I mean, 
Montana State's, you know, in the FCS. So I think them looking higher would be looking at the Mountain West. Being in the Mountain West, you're looking higher. Not saying that Wyoming's going to be in the Big 12 or anything like that, but you're always looking, you know, higher instead of lower or bringing in, you know, lower division teams. And that's no offense to Montana State whatsoever. But uh, boy, I mean, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to that. That's for certain. Um, I know people have talked a lot about North Dakota State maybe making that move uh, one day. And it's so hard to tell. Uh, Well, the one thing I do know, though, is in talking to Wyoming's athletic director, Tom Berman, they're really not interested in cutting the pie any more than it's already cut um, because that's just taking away money unless you can get a bigger television contract, which I believe they're lumped into their television contract through the 2024 or 2025 season. And that's what it's all about, right? I mean, it's about eyes and TV money and, and things like that. So the one big question that always comes up with the Mountain West is when does BYU come crawling back? Um, if there's a 12-team playoff, I feel like, you know, they're not going to make it in that playoff as an independent. So they're going to need a conference to land in. And it certainly isn't going to be the Pac-12. Uh, Pac-12 doesn't do religious schools. You know, you guys know being in Washington, you know darn well that how those schools operate. It's uh, it's not very BYU-ish, if you know what I mean. So, uh, and not a research institute to boot. So, uh, but we think a lot about that kind of thing, you know, is B- when is BYU going to come? Is BYU going to come? What's going to become of the Big 12? Uh, you know, we saw some conferences merge today with whatever that meant, <laughs> a handshake agreement that they were all going to be buddies or something, you know, in, in response to the SEC, yeah. but uh, which made very little sense to me because minutes after that, USC announced they're playing a game against LSU uh, in Las Vegas to kick off the season in, what, two years? So, you know, it just nothing makes a lot of sense right now. And there's so many TV contracts and we have no idea what's going to become of the Big 12 or the American Conference, you know, the American Athletic Conference. It just it's so weird and it's so fluid. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I mean, Montana, Montana State, my initial my initial thoughts are, you know, those are smaller schools. Would that help bolster the Mountain West, you know, image? Uh, I don't know. Would it be good for a regional? Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really good for regional fans and, you know, having that new tie to a new border war, you know, that's why I think this game with Montana state's really cool and it's really fun. Same with Montana when, when the Cowboys play them, but it's not, it, it's not necessarily seen as a huge game. You know what I mean? And once again, that's no slight toward those teams at all. And the Cowboys are taking this one very serious. So are the fans. You can't over, they're not overlooking anybody after last year, but, but I don't know. That's a, that's a fantastic question, Ryan. It's just something I haven't really thought too much about. You know, it's, it's always seems to be BYU and, you know, Air Force, Boise State always kind of last year it became public that they were looking elsewhere. So Boise State's another one where you're always wondering, when are they going to jump ship? You know, San Diego State's been really good in football and basketball, and they're getting a brand new on-campus stadium, which could, in my opinion, put them over the top and make them a really good team for a long time. Because to me, that's what they were missing. They were playing in that huge cavernous Qualcomm Stadium where the Chargers played for years, and now they're actually going to have an intimate on-campus stadium. So it's, it's, it's a really good question, but it's just something I haven't thought of because I've always been thinking about those other things. Well, you know, I was just looking into my crystal ball and I just see all the trickle down <laughs> and conference realignments and start thinking about the future of college football. And, you know, Montana, Montana State has such institutional momentum right now, specifically Montana State. Our enrollment is just booming. Bozeman mm-hmm. is just blowing up. It's uh, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so 
I, I won't be surprised. That's all I'm yeah. saying. No, it'll be interesting. It'd be really interesting to see what happens. I think those, you know, the more regional, the better, because that's what we're losing in college football. And that's the beauty of college football is regional games where you can have a ton of fans there. I know when Wyoming plays at CSU, you know, it's 60 miles down the road. And it's even with Air Force is three hours down the road. And that can not even feel like a road atmosphere because there's so many Wyoming fans in attendance. So it's the beauty of it. And if they had fans that were worth a darn, they would fill up half of our stadium, but they don't. So, uh, but I mean, they could, and that's the beauty of these regional games and these rivalries. Well, we're certainly excited to see how that regional rivalry or the regional game works out here for the coming up here in a week and a half or so we're recording this on a, not quite game week, but we'll be releasing it on game week. So we're excited. I know you guys are excited to see some football. So, I think that's all the questions we have for you. I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show, Cody. Uh, would you like to plug any of the places that people could follow you? Yeah. Well, first, I have a question for you guys. Sure. How good is this Troy Anderson kid? <laughs> oh, the myth, the man, the myth, the legend, Troy Anderson. Dude, that guy, reading up on him, I'm like, what? How, how come we have never even heard of this dude? This guy sounds phenomenal. And, you know, you think about it, one of Wyoming's best players of all time, is Mitch Donahue from Billings. Why? We, we talk amongst friends with this. Why is Wyoming not up there recruiting Montana kids? There are some special dudes just like that kid. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. Uh, Montana kids get overlooked a lot in recruiting, but you think a school like Wyoming would be at least, you know, be able to drive up there and, and check out, like do the tour, because there's going to be kids in the small Montana schools. I mean, Troy Anderson, anywhere else besides Dylan Montana is is going is going to be recruited in a, at a yeah. probably at least a Mountain West school, if not higher. He set the world on a fire, running the ball, uh, quote passing the ball, end quote. <laughs> more more like playing single wing quarterback power for an entire season. Um, and he won first conference all yeah first conference unanimous first team all conference yeah. quarterback throwing for like fifteen hundred yards or something. So, yeah, Cody, I yeah. think he's kind of a comp of uh, your middle linebacker, Muma. Is that yeah, how you say Chad his name? Mooma. Yep, Chad yeah. Muma. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying during the podcast with uh, the Montana State B-Rider. Just, he kind of has that Muma thing, but Chad Muma sure hasn't played quarterback or running back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Troy uh, only broke our single-season uh, rushing touchdown record. Like this, uh, He broke all sorts wow. of single-season records from his quarterback spot. It was very entertaining and frustrating to watch all at the same time um <laughs> <laughs> guys a stud I, I i was actually reading that and thinking man i bet the cowboys are kind of happy this guy's only focusing on linebacker well yeah that's <laughs> yeah. A, that's a, still a debate sometimes <laughs> among bobcat fans like where does it's, it's pretty much assumed he's an nfl talent but where does he project some people still think he's he's a, like a Taysom hill kind of uh, wow. comp so he might still be playing running back or offense in the league or who knows it i feel bad for the kid's been moved around so much he hasn't had a chance to really focus in on any one position but <laughs> yeah freak athlete ran like a you know 1088 100 meter in high school he's fast he's 240 now he's just a just ridiculous there's no reason that guy should be in the big sky conference for any reason you know, other than we, he's born in montana you know we yeah. compared him to and you guys might think i'm absolutely nuts i watched a little bit of troy's film when i was doing the story on montana state he, he reminds Mountain West whack fans of a guy named Brian Urlacher who played for New Mexico. I've actually heard that. I've heard that comp before, too. From a pure, yeah. pure linebacker standpoint, I've heard that that's a pretty similar comp. Well, and Urlacher, <laughs> he played in Laramie one year with New Mexico, and he returned kicks. He returned punts. He played safety. He played. He caught their only touchdown of the game, and he probably finished with 20 tackles. <laughs> 
sounds about that sounds about man right. among boys. Man oh, among, man. I mean, he was a head taller than everybody on the field. He was an absolute beast. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It'll be his first game uh, under a new defensive coordinator, playing some sort of four-two middle linebacker thing. So we'll see how that all works out. <laughs> Guys, I think we have a lot more in common than you know. <laughs> uh, we're yeah, all excited to apparent. see what Burn Vegan does. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! All right. Well, uh, all right. Now you can. Uh, Give us a chance to for listeners okay. to find you if you, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, my website is 7220sports.com, and uh, we do have an app. We're the only uh, outlet that covers the Cowboys that does have an app, and it's free, of course. And we're churning them out. I believe we've put out our 100th story of the month this week. And by we, I mean me, because I'm the only one who works here. But <laughs> I love it and live it. And that's why I'm up till 3 every morning. But you can find me on Twitter at 7220sports. And that's 7220sports. Also on Facebook, of course, 7220sports.com. All right. I well, appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you, guys. Really appreciate you having me. Thanks, Cody. 